Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 20 called The Naked Truth. What does it mean to be called my servant when God is saying it? When God is calling someone my servant, that has the implications that the servant says my master. Now, I and you and all of us tonight don't have a perfect record with that servant-master relationship, do we? There are times when we certainly don't do what we should. But look at I want you to see Isaiah. Even as my servant Isaiah has gone naked, he did it, and barefoot. And how long did he do it? Three years. Now, people, scholars, if you want to research this, they're divided on this. There's people on both sides of the fence, actually, how he was dressed or if he was dressed, and then there's people on both sides of the fence. Did he do it for three years? Well, I'm reading the text to you. It says three years. And then you start to think about three years. You say, that's an interesting number, isn't it? I mean, didn't Jesus have basically a three-year public ministry? And didn't he train disciples for three years? And when Jesus' life was coming to a close, and he was uh, pressed to bear his own cross, you remember they stripped him of his clothing and they put that royal... uh, Uh, garb on him. Then they took that off of him. And then when he was crucified, you know what they did? They gambled for his clothing. And there is a good majority of scholars that believe that when Jesus is on the cross, he is naked. And people are walking by, watching him die, an ignominious death, a, a, a death that was reserved for the worst of criminals, the electric chair of Jesus' day, and from that cross, naked from that cross, bearing our shame, what does he say, Father? Forgive them. You see, sometimes we think God may be asking too much of us until we see what our Savior did for us. You see, he was in all points tempted as we, yet without sin. He was always doing those things that please his Father. And we're so worried about what people think of us. This, this world, and especially our country, man, we are so caught up in image. We are so worried about what people might think of us. Do You know, people don't think about you as much as you think they do. I got news for you. They don't. And so many of us are hung up on, you know what? That person looked at me a little weird. I don't know. Maybe they, they probably don't think a lot about you. You see, we're caught up in this stuff because we're fed it all the time. And God, his eyes go to and fro upon the earth and he looks for a man. And he looks for a woman who, through whom he can show himself strong. What does he look for? Well, we always talk about it in the church. Not ability, just what? Availability. Not the most skillful technicians of theology or high IQ or whatever. What does he look for? 
a broken and contrite spirit. A man or a woman who say, Lord, if you can save me and use me, here I am. Send me. And God is using the is taking the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And so there's Isaiah walking around three years, verse three, as a sign and a token against Egypt and Cush. See, what Ashdod was thinking is the answer is Egypt. The answer is, I mean, Egypt's been telling us that they're going to stand up to this Assyrian threat. They're going to have our back. We'll look to them for our hope. We'll look to Egypt. Hmm, sound familiar? Egypt is what? A type of the world. And when the Egyptians held the people of God there in Egypt, that was what? Bondage to uh, Pharaoh and the false gods and the, the system that represents Lucifer and all that he tries to do. And when the Philistines were threatened, they said, ah, Egypt will be our savior. Yeah, they're tough. They're bad. Yeah, I know in, in history past, they got beaten up by the God of Israel. But, you know, they've recovered. And hey, maybe they can stand up to the threat. And so Isaiah is called to walk around and to say to people who are trusting in the wrong things, uh, they're going to be lined up making their way for Assyria, and it's not going to be pretty. Don't trust in the wrong thing. So the king of Assyria, for, will lead away the captives of Egypt, the one in whom you put your trust, the exiles of Cush, young and old. They will be naked. They will be barefoot. They will be exposed, and it will be to the shame of Egypt. See, if you put your trust in man, what God is trying to show you is the weakness of man. He's using his prophet to show a picture, a very shocking picture. Here's what's ahead for everybody who trusts in the wrong thing. They'll be in line just like everybody else. Because man, if you haven't noticed, has feet of clay. Whatever you believe about people, whether they hold a high office or whether they're you know, in some lofty position, just spend a little bit of time with them and you will find all humans have feet of clay. What do I mean by that? I mean we're all made of dust. We all have our quirks. We all have our idiosyncrasies. If you're looking for hope in humanity outside of the one who is the perfect human Christ, you are going to be disappointed. And all God's people said? You don't have to say amen just to positive stuff. You can say it to truth. Because it means we agree. When you say amen, by the way, you're saying, I agree. That's true. People do have feet of clay. Now there are some wonderful people walking the face of the earth. Some beautiful people. But God's point is, if you think that the Egyptians are going to save you, you're wrong. They're going to be in the line with the other nations making their way off to Assyria because that cannot be your hope. Then they, and probably in context the, the Philistines are being referred to, shall be dismayed and ashamed because they were looking uh, to these nations because of Cush, their hope, and Egypt, their boast. Now what do you think people are putting their hope in today? What's their hope in? 
Hmm? Silver and gold, stock market, dot com, you know, get rich quick schemes. Where's hope today? What do people what's what what are people boasting in today? You know, the Lord says, let him who boasts boast in this, that he what? Understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. Exercising loving kindness and justice in the earth, for in these things I delight. Amen? So some boast in horses, some boast in chariots, but we boast in the name of the Lord. Can you remember back when you were a non-Christian, what you put your hope and boast in? What were those things? I just turned up the radio quite a bit. You know, I tried not to think about things like that because those things were uncomfortable. I didn't want to go there. By the way, that's why a lot of people don't want to talk about spiritual things. They're not comfortable because it makes them look at their soul and heart. And now Isaiah's walking around as a living picture of what's going to happen to everyone who puts their trust and hope in the wrong thing. You end up chained and being dragged off to a kingdom where you don't want to be. And then you start to look at the spiritual depth of a message, and you start to say, hey, wait a minute, that's what Satan does to people. What he does to people is he gets you to look to the world, to Egypt, and, he says, and you say, ah, yeah, if this happens, I'll turn there. The Pharaoh's got it going on. He's got it together. We'll be cool. He'll come to my rescue, or if not him, Cush. And all of a sudden, you're in a line marching to a land where you're going to be a slave forever because you were sold a bill of goods. And that's what Pharaoh represents. He's a type of Satan. Yeah, it's cool. You'll be fine. Go ahead. Put your trust there. Put your hope there. And then you're marching in a line and there's no escape. And that's what the next verse says. So the inhabitants of this, of this coastland, and here I think the focus uh, again, is on Philistines, uh, specifically Ashdod, but it spills over to uh, Judah. They will say in that day, Behold, such is our hope, where we fled for help to be delivered from the king of Assyria, and we, now what? How shall we escape, Hebrews 2.3, if we neglect so great a salvation. Where else will we go? We put our hope in Egypt and there are scores of people marching off captive in prison. Something looks so promising and now they're on their way to destruction and death. And Isaiah walks around in one of the more awkward and tough calls you could ever get to tell people Hello, that is not the answer. The answer is found in the living God. Do you believe it? Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, including Isaiah from Hebrews 11.36, surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is marked out before us, the good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. 
We are to fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. It spills over to uh, Judah. They will say in that day, Behold, such is our hope, where we fled for help to be delivered from the king of Assyria, and we, now what? How shall we escape, Hebrews 2.3, if we neglect so great a salvation? Where else will we go? We put our hope in Egypt, and there are scores of people marching off captive in prison. Something looked so promising, and now they're on their way to destruction and death. And Isaiah walks around in one of the more awkward and tough calls you could ever get to tell people, hello, that is not the answer. The answer is found in the living God. Do you believe it? Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, including Isaiah from Hebrews eleven thirty six, surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is marked out before us, the good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. We are to fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus is God's love on display. And when we follow him, sometimes he's going to ask us maybe to lay our souls bare before people and there may be some fear. But why do you fear man? Why are you afraid of man who's going to die? He's like the grass of the field. He's here today and gone tomorrow. So it's time for the church to take its stand. And the beautiful thing about you guys is that I know many of you are doing that. It's it's your. Some of you tell me, I have people here who tell me it's why they live. They, They know they're here to make a difference. They know they're here to spread a message. There's only, hope's only found in one person. Amen? And so part of what we do as Christians with messages like this is we say, Lord, what do I do with that? And what you do with that is you ask yourself, what is God calling you to do? Have you hesitated because it may expose you, quote unquote? Are you afraid that if you reveal your heart to someone that you won't be as macho as you were perceived before? That, that someone may think, oh, you're one of those, those people. You need a crutch, don't you? A crutch! 
Yeah, well, everybody's going to lean on something. And somebody's worldview and religion is going to affect this nation. And believe me, somebody's is. And so it's time for us to say, Lord, whatever you say, that's what I will do. It's not easy. But when you say it, I think he's going to give you the strength you need. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for the message of the gospel, the hope of all mankind found in Jesus Christ. And I, and I see an image in my heart. It's an incredible image. It's the image of a Savior being led off to die, though innocent, though God in human flesh, being led off to bear a cross, to fall under the weight of it, to be mocked and spit upon, have a scourge to his back that opened up his body, to have a crown of thorns pressed into his skull, to be stripped, to be, as Hebrews say, to despise the shame of it, and to take the nails in his hands and his feet and to die as though he were one of those captives, but he wasn't. And the only reason he died on the cross is because he allowed it to happen. He said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own authority. I have the power to lay it down and the power to take it up again. This command I've received from my father. And he stays on the cross for the joy set before him because he knows he will set the captives free. You and me. And it was impossible for death to hold him. And so when he goes into the tomb, he defeats that which sought to imprison me and, and keep me down. And he, and he rises. And he appears and he brings hope and He ascends to heaven and he ever lives to intercede for me. And he says, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciple and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have put stock in all the wrong things. Forgive us for the times that we have hesitated to share the gospel because of what someone might think of us. Forgive us for the times, Lord, that we have maybe felt even a tinge of shame that we did not want to be exposed or thought to be different. Cleanse us of those attitudes, Lord. Let us see the author and perfecter of our faith and what he did. He was never ashamed to say why he was here, who he stood for, and what the way to heaven was. Never hesitated to share truth Shared it in love, but he shared it. He never hesitated to correct a wrong notion. And he never hesitated to love someone who seemed unlovable. And so, Father, we want to be stripped of our pride. Strip us of anything that entangles us, grave clothes that weigh us down. May we put off the old man and put on the new man. May we put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. May we put on the full armor of God that we may take our stand against the schemes of the evil one. May we, Lord, as your people with one voice, 
clothed with the garments of righteousness. Glorify our God. If you're here tonight and you're not sure that you know the Lord, be sure. Don't risk your soul. Open your heart to him and say, Lord Jesus, pray it out loud if it's you. Lord Jesus, forgive me. I am sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for my pride. I believe you died on the cross for me and took my shame. I believe that you rose again from the dead to defeat my enemy death. I trust you as my Savior and my Lord. Make me your child. Lord, for those who need to maybe rededicate themselves to the call that you have on their lives, may they sense your grace and mercy, your patience with us, your goodness toward us. May we walk in the way we should walk, not to get saved or stay saved, but because we just are so grateful. May it be the overflow of love that causes us to wander into places that may seem uncomfortable. And may we remember that way back in the book of Genesis when they, Adam and Eve sinned, you stooped down and made garments to cover their nakedness. Thank you that you have covered my sin and cleansed it at the cross. Thank you that I can walk out of this place tonight knowing I'm forgiven, justified, sanctified, and set apart for the Master's use. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Naked Truth, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 20. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, our Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. With our app, you can learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Pastor Michael serves as senior pastor. If you're local to Southern California, the app gives you updates and information about upcoming Bible studies, free events, and services, both for you and your kids. Hey, if you live outside Southern California, you can still benefit from our Living Truth app. You can listen or watch Pastor Michael's previous teachings, and you can contact the church if you have any questions or comments. You can download the free Living Truth app in your app store. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Well, as I mentioned yesterday, the bottom line on a message called The Naked Truth is, boy, we need the truth. And we don't need to go to things that are false, that will never deliver, never cover, never protect. Uh, rather, we need to go to the resources our Heavenly Father has granted to us, like the armor of God, like putting on the new man, like walking in the fruits of the Spirit. And of course, for Old Testament Israel, it was trusting in the Lord rather than foreign armies or uh, nations that promised to have their back when they really didn't. You know, what we find out about humanity is unfortunately humans can be very selfish and often do things for their own ends. But when we are walking with Jesus and in the community of the saints and it's all working the way it should, well, then we ha- we cover one another, but ultimately we look for the covering of Christ. That is to be clothed in his righteousness, to be clothed in his power. These are some of the main takeaways from a message called The Naked Truth 
in Isaiah chapter 20. This is Pastor Michael Lance. Hey, if you're new to the broadcast, this is Walk in Truth, and uh, we have the privilege of airing uh, the book of Isaiah to you as we move through the verses, through the chapters, and we're excited to present it to you. And uh, we do have a lot of things going on here at the local church that's behind this ministry. The local church in the city of Corona in the Inland Empire is called Living Truth Christian Fellowship. Just want to let you ladies know that our ladies at Living Truth, or we call it LT, are doing a year of unshakable joy as their Bible study. And if you are interested in a women's Bible study and you'd like to plug in, uh, this is going on here Thursdays at Living Truth in the city of Corona. And you can find out about that Bible study, how to sign up for it. There is a morning and evening uh, session of that Bible study, and it's happening here at Living Truth in Corona. If you go to walkintruth.com, that's walkintruth.com, and click on the church tab, you can find out everything you'd like to know about the different ministries going on here, services, Bible studies, etc. And you can also call 844-48-TRUTH if you'd like to talk to someone about more detail. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Well, tomorrow we're going to get into a message from Isaiah 21 called, How Far Gone Is the Night? We'll see you here tomorrow. God bless you. Have a great day. And don't forget, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 21, verses 1 through 12, asking, How far gone is the night? I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.